Reinforced Running Podcast. Let me holla at you. This week, my very good friend and coaching partner, John Hamilton Williams III, joins me once again. And this week, we take on a big topic of speed work. So it seems that most people, they do know what speed work is and that it does help you get faster. But there's also a lot of nuance on how to implement speed work into your training. So you must consider factors like the race distance, your own personal training age, and really what time of the year it is and where you are in your training. So it can actually be confusing. So John and I, we cover a lot, uh, such as how to implement speed into the different stages of your training cycle, how to know the correct target pace for your speed work, and why training uh, for speed on the road is different from that of OCR. So we touch on a lot of things, uh, those included, and some more. So I'm really looking forward to bringing this episode a lot of good gems that you can put into your own training. But before we get to it, uh, please hook it up with a five-star review and subscribe so you get all the freshest episodes into your podcast feed. And of course, if you know somebody who could benefit from this podcast, um, someone that might have questions on speed work or just to help them improve their training, just send it their way. Just let them know. And also make sure to check out the link in the show notes for the one-on-one coaching page for runners and OCR athletes. Uh, just to reach out to see if we would be a good fit for you and the reinforced running team. So cool. All right. With that, here's my guy, John Williams. John Hamilton Rick. Williams. The third. And I never know how I know. I never know how you're going to start these out. So I'm always kind of. That's how I started it out today. On my, on my heels a little bit. Just like, all right. How <laughs> All right, we're how to respond here. We're in business. What's going on, John? How are you? Oh, everything's great, man. How are you? Super strong. You just got done with uh, a long run. Yeah, it was a Friday long run today. Just uh, the way the way the, the chips fell. So it was it was actually good. The, the running gods were good to me. It, it, it's been unseasonably warm down here, so I got a nice, cool, light rain, a little bit of breeze, but you know, low sixties. It was actually awesome. What's what about you, man? It sounds like you have a, a race coming up. I have a race coming up. Uh, this weekend in Jacksonville. So like in Florida, not, not quite in your parts, but it doesn't look as warm. Yeah. It seems like what the fifties, I think it's going to be about seven hours, seven hours North. So like, depending on what time you go off, yeah, you'll probably, and this weekend looks like it's going to be more seasonal. So I think, yeah, you'll probably be in the fifties. You, you could, you could have a good day. Florida is so big, seven hours North. Um, but yeah, yeah it'll be fun. Yeah. This will, we'll air this after, um, the race. So we'll know how I did then, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm, uh, in a good spot. I feel like I'm in good shape. I, I mentioned like body composition goals being a goal in the beginning of the year on one of our previous yeah. podcasts. And I'm like as lean as I've been since doing OCR. So I'm like pretty excited to see how that translates for better or worse. Yeah. So is, is that something that you have measured professionally or are you just kind of like just visually kind of eye that up and uh, well, I weigh myself every day <laughs> and I do take progress the body composition part like, of it. I mean, obviously the weight is not going to really, so are you about, talking right? about fat, fat composition? Are you talking about like, like body mm-hmm. fat composition or just like, just in general, you kind of have an idea. Yeah. General idea. I haven't yeah. done like a DEXA scan or yeah. like anything, uh, that official Caliper pinch. Yeah. That, those are like tough. They're kind of inaccurate as well. Yeah. And even like the, like in body things, they they give you a good idea. And they give you, they can be like relatively um, consistent. They might not be exactly accurate, but yeah, just by weight and by uh, just looking in the mirror and you're just like ripped. You're just, just like, let's go. I've taken progress <laughs> photos. 
all, all I do is look at the mirror. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it should be a good weekend, man. Yeah. Um, man. So today, a topic that is something that is really broad and is really valuable is that of speed work. And it's a question that does come up a lot. And it, it's really kind of hard to answer in one shot because there is so much nuance to speed work that I, I, I wanted to sit down and have a conversation to you about like what it means and how people can kind of implement that into their own training based on you know, their experience, their goals, and like the, the time of year. So like, John, like what would you consider like quote unquote speed work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's why it's important that we talk about it in a broad sense. And I think you, you'll agree with this is like speed work is really anything that's not easy. <laughs> so, and that's why it's so broad, right? So like just, it's just, I mean, just at the very, very highest level, it's basically anything faster than what you would consider easy. Um, from there, it's just kind of up to us to kind of categorize it and, 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 and kind of put it in the bucket. So we're, we're looking for different goals for different types of paces. Right. And I would still make it clear that it is like running related, <laughs> like running speed related. Cause we had some questions like, Oh, does this count as speed work where it might be like lifting, lifting fast or doing something else that might be, um, like on a bike or elliptical. And I guess that could kind of fall into it, but like for this in particular, we're going to be talking about like on your feet, turning it over. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that might be similar with some other activities is the level of like the aerobic versus anaerobic type of approach. Like you could, you could make an argument that like a hard swim could be like anaerobic work. Mm -hmm. um, it's not speed, like to your point, but you know, in a sense that you, you want the, the, the right muscles firing along with these, these types of anaerobic, aerobic type, type works that you're looking for, for sure. Just more race and sports specific. Like yeah. you could probably elicit the same type of response doing a bike or the elliptical yeah. or whatever, but it's not apples to apples translation over to running. So that's, that, that's really what we it is called the reinforced running podcast. So, but, but we should probably make sure we're making that clear for sure. Should, should we spin off a reinforced swimming and just like have no idea what we're talking about? Just be like, <laughs> Like one time, just swim. If you would show up on our podcast and be like <laughs> really disappointed, it would be yeah. It was just like throw it off like one big joke. People wouldn't like that. Um, so a lot of times, people when they do speed work, the first thing they think of is like going to the track, right, and getting mm -hmm. on the track and just running fast. And one of the uh, things that we had talked about, as far as being a beginner and going to the track and like really trying to work it out, is like like track etiquette. <laughs> like so, I just want to talk about that for like two seconds here before we yeah. really get into the nuts and bolts because one of our uh close friends had a question about that and and like how uh to kind of like not be intimidated and also how to get onto the track in an appropriate way so what is your take on track etiquette yeah i mean it's almost like you could you, we could probably do a whole podcast and maybe we should like a little bit really really dive into like the flow of the track and you know especially if there's a lot of people at the track and and, and there are other people there, maybe that you don't know, or you do know, like doing a workout, like how to kind of keep things moving. And so you're not getting in the way, you know, and, and really to keep things safe. Um, the first rule I think is like that first lane is like sacred, you know, you have to look at that lane. It's almost like crossing a highway, you want to always look to your left, always look to your, you just be aware of what's going on around you, even when you're running. So like, if you start an interval, and you see there's someone coming up on behind you, be aware that, you know, you might need to, to make some room for them or or stay as hug the inside as much as possible to let them go around you. 
um, if you're moving a lot slower, maybe even jump out to the second lane um, to let them go by you. If, if, if you, especially if you're on a straightaway and it doesn't really hinder how your interval is going, but just like, just always keep in mind that that first lane is sacred and you never want to leave anything there. You never, never want to stand there. Um, and uh, if you do approach to start an interval, always, always look to your left, make sure that you're, you're being, um, uh, I guess, courteous to the others that are on the track as far as like that first lane is concerned. That's, that would be the, my first thought. That is a good one too. Like don't walk there. You know, if you're walking around the track just to get in like some, some steps, like you don't need to have it be the shortest distance to, for your time. So definitely walk there. And would you like feel people coming and move based on that? Or would you wait for them to say something? Because like the one thing that I feel like I use that people don't necessarily know what it is, is when you're coming from behind somebody, like if you're on a bike and you're coming from behind, you would tell them on your left, right? Or something like that. If you're on a trail and you would pass on their left, but on a track when it's tucked all the way to the left, like there is no place for you to pass. So you kind of have to yell, like you yell quote unquote track at them to let them know that they should move to the side. So do you use that or do you? No, I mean, usually when I'm yelling track, it's usually because there's like somebody who's walking in the first lane or doing their, 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 um, the rest interval in the first lane. And I would also piggyback on that. It's like when you're doing your rest interval, swing out to the third lane mm-hmm. and, and try to do it there. Um, if there's nobody on the track and, and you're, you're being aware of the fact there's nobody like joining you or hasn't joined you since you've been there, by all means stay in the first lane. But I think it's okay to like swing out to the second or third lane when you're doing that rest interval. Cause inevitably if, if there are other pe- other groups on the track doing track work, so let's say there's two or three groups and, and you're doing your rest interval even if they are slower than you during the intervals, they're start, probably going to be faster than you um, when they're doing their interval than you are doing your rest interval. So you just want to kind of swing out. I don't, I think that the track is more just like, um, you know, as long as someone's doing their interval and I'm faster than them, I literally have no problem with just like rolling around them on the side. Cause we're both kind of like flowing, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and then stay like on your left. I mean, and in that in that case, just yelling track doesn't really help them because I I'm I'm expecting they're just going to stay on the inside, right? And I think that if you yell something, they might swing They'll out, and I might try to swing out, and then it just yeah. becomes a little bit more. Um, us being on the same page is probably like the easiest way to kind of combat that. But yeah, so if you're coming up and you're passing, they're probably better off not saying anything unless there is someone unless there's someone walking. And if you're walking in the first lane and you hear somebody yelling track at you, that means move so yeah i think that that's a lot important. of times it doesn't work anyway because they don't know I've what had, it, yeah and i've had know, people like to yell get move. mad at me because i'm like look do you mind if i and like, no this is, this is a public track you know you get you're gonna get some of that um and uh, uh also don't 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 smoke when you're on a, on a public track just uh <laughs> i think someone that said that too it's like don't do that <laughs> just, yeah keep the cigars off the track <laughs> i know that it's a public place you can do whatever you want but like just don't do but that. that, but that's really it. I mean, you just want to have res- respect people that are moving on the track, you know, like, it's a lot like, it's not like drive right past left, unfortunately, like the highway, but it is right. a lot like that concept is like, Hey, look, if, if you're not, if you want to be aware of how fast some people are going around you and, and, and you want to give way to the people who are going faster than you. Cruising is Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. And so like, if you're not if you're intimidated by the track and you're not really sure, you just go and like, you'll figure out the flow of things. Like don't not go because like, you're not, you're not sure what to do. Yeah, of course you'll figure um, it out. And, you know, and inevitably there's somebody there who's done it a bunch and they can always fill you in. But, and as far as what other mistakes people make, let's talk about from a practical standpoint with their training. Um, not like screwing up on the track. Um, what are some of the mistakes that you feel people are making when it comes to their speed work? Oh, geez. I mean, probably number one is too much too early. Um, you know, I think that just if there's somebody that's been doing it for a while and they say, Hey, come to the track and do some intervals with me. And then you try to do what they've, they're doing. Mm. Uh, and they've been, they've been at it for a while and maybe isn't a good idea. Um, so I think just starting at a, at a workable level. Um, yeah. And if, for instance might be like, if someone's doing, has been doing 800s, let's say on the track at like just faster than 5k pace and they're doing like four or five of them. There's nothing wrong with you. Like maybe doing, if you feel like you're at the same level as them, give or take, you know, do 400s instead of 800s. You know, like I think just easing into the speed work is probably the first thing that, um, is the first thing that I would probably look at. What about you? I think that's a good point. And I would just echo, don't do other people's speed work. Like, I just think that is a, a mistake in, in itself. And I've had people and I've coached some athletes who had faster friends and then they would go and do some of their workout with their faster friends and it would just kind of screw it all up because it would be too fast, too soon, and it would just not hit the purpose. Um, and also yeah. it was something with the kind of like go hard or go home type of mentality. And we, we've talked a lot about having people run slower on their slow days. Um, I feel like too much quality work is is often something that people can really uh, fall into where it's like three or four quality days a week. And that's, um, in my opinion, is too much. Like, what do you think is like a good kind of general guideline for how often people should be doing this? Well, again, I just think if you're starting, if you're starting out, just do one, you know, and then, you know, for some people who, and it depends on what the quality work is and how much you're doing it, obviously, so those factors are going to come in. So if it's three to four days a week and you're and you're and the, the amount you're doing um, is workable and you're giving and, 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 and 48 hours is enough rest for where you're at, then it's you know maybe you can consider it. In most cases, to your point, it's probably going to be too much. But I think that just kind of know um, it's hard to just know. So like I would definitely find a starting point. Um, find somebody who either knows what they're talking about or do some reading um, and just understand like where a good place to start is start somewhere small and then just build from there um, even, and, and build the one day first and then maybe add a second day, see how you feel, reevaluate. Um, and in those cases, when you do increase, you know, it's okay to like repeat the next week. Like you don't have to always increase to the next week. Like sometimes you can stay at that level for two to three weeks, let your body adjust um, and then maybe take it up from there. Um, so I think just starting at the right point and then increasing at the right point and look at it from a volume perspective throughout the week. So, you know, um, you know, when you get to the point where one workout is like getting to be a little bit too long of a workout, then maybe think about adding the second day. Gotcha. And that, that makes sense. And it's really, and that kind of brings us into what I think is one of the most confusing parts about this is like when is it appropriate to, to start this and what should you do when you start 
your speed work. Cause I feel like that's, it could, it happens for beginner runners and advanced runners the same. Like they all have a season and goal. And like, where should you start with your speed work with that? So the way we kind of uh, broke it down is having three different phases, which we'll just call like base phase, pre-competition phase, and then like your actual competition phase. So in the base phase is typically when you would be building miles, uh, adding volume, just getting some resilience and good aerobic work. Um, do you feel that there's a place for speed work in the base phase? So, yeah, I mean, I think that the traditional way of, and almost the way I always had done it, and I'm sure you you were the same way, right? Like you would start with that base phase, like the long, slow distance, sometimes no speed work, and you're just building up miles and building the aerobic base. Um, then from there, you might add in some more like tempo work and then on, and, um, you know, the volume's usually pretty, still pretty high in that phase. And then towards the end, you pick up the, pick up the pace. You, so you would do some more faster intervals and drop the volume down, taper, and then race. Right. Um, that's a very traditional way of looking at it. Um, you know, I, there's two thoughts. One is I like the idea of strides. Um, Striders? Know, well, so I don't even want to get into that. I thought I wouldn't even get into that. I always called them striders, and I had <laughs> someone, like, tell me, like, and it was just something that we always used in high school, but I didn't even know this was an issue. I, I went on letsrun.com and there was people on there like, you know, there's jerks are on there. Sometimes they're probably like 25 minute 5k runners who are like on there spouting off and from their mother's basement, but, um, strides you know, or striders that we both, they both work. Yeah. I say I think, I've been, I've been saying striders. I've been saying striders and I have no problem with that. Uh, but I did have a couple of people tell me like, what, like what's the matter with you? It's a stride. And I was like, it seems like it's whatever. One. It'd be like one long bound. Yeah, one long just step. one step. So a stride, a stride or a strider yeah. is something that I consider anywhere from like ten to fifteen seconds at like ninety to like ninety five percent of what would be like a yeah, stride. and accentuating your form and just and and just airing it out just for it's not really meant to be anything that's going to you're going to need to recover from. It's not really supposed to be an effort, but just a way to kind of keep the legs moving at a pace that you you're just not doing a lot of in um in a particular phase and i think just doing let's say anywhere from four to eight of those after your easy runs in a base phase is a is a, an amazing and great and completely underrated way of actually continuing to keep some of that fast twitch muscle you know moving and and uh and I, I really think it's 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 completely under underrated, and and just adding that in is something that could be a really great way to just kind of start with the speed work, you know, like something as simple as going to the track and doing like some hundreds. Hundred percent, yeah. And I think that that is a good place to start. And sometimes it just kind of sucks to do it at the end of a workout, where you're just like, oh, yeah. I'm done with this run. So I mm-hmm. sometimes just put them in the middle, just yep. be like, okay, run two miles, then do eight by ten seconds. And, uh, of just a turnover. So, and this will really help, like you said, that, uh, muscle activation, keeping that sharp and also help your running economy and just really kind of staying sharp when you're, uh, like in a phase where you're running slowly. I also exactly. really like to do these on an, on an incline as well. Um, cause that mm-hmm. way it then shortens the range of motion. It might also, uh, activate a little bit more muscle and it just is a little bit less damaging believe it or not when you're running uphill than if you're just sprinting dead out um when you might not be prepared to so yeah um so i like that as well i think that's a really good spot in the base phase and and yeah there is like kind of a traditional model and i i and i've been thinking about this a lot lately and i don't know if it is just because like the 
books that are available. They need to have some sort of linear progression for what is sold to the general public, or if it is just kind of like the best way to go about structuring your plan. Um, but like, I don't, I also don't think that I feel like there is a place to do some speed work when your volume is coming up a little bit higher. Um, and, and something that isn't like race specific in any way, just kind of ways to really kind of improve that overall fitness. Um, just even like 400s at like threshold pace, <laughs> you know, just ways to really help build your fitness without being very specific. And while your volume is high so that you're not in any type of peak shape. What do yeah. you think about that? No, I think that, and that was kind of like my, actually going to be my, my second thought was that that traditional way I think works and I think it's great, but I do think there is room, especially depending on the athlete to build, like even just take it the opposite. And a lot of coaches are doing this now and seeing a lot of success with it. Um, and even I'm pretty sure like a lot of these, these guys, like even like the Mammoth Lakes guys and like, and like that, that, that whole V Hill group and the Terrence Mahan group, um, they started doing, they'll do a lot of their, their, their speed in the beginning and build the speed and then actually have more volume towards the end. So it's almost like flipped, you know? Um, hmm. And like, I guess volume, point, volume in, 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 in speed work or total volume? No, no. Just like, so you're working the speed or like as the first phase and then you're doing more of the volume later in the cycle. So like, let's say if you're doing 16, 16 weeks, you know, you're, you're doing, you're actually working the legs, like the turnover early as the first phase, um, as opposed to closer to the race. And then, you know, so I, I my point is not necessarily to get bogged down in the, in the, the necessarily like what's best, but I think there is, there is room to kind of like try something different or try something new or, or, or actually work um, against this traditional model and whether it be like having the volume and doing some of the, some of the um, harder stuff. I, I remember um, coach uh, uh, Marcus used to have a lot of the guys like finish their long run and do like four times, like 400 really hard, like at the end. And like, hmm. you know, it works some like real quality stuff in with the volume I think there, you know, there is, um, and again, it's like trial and error. I, I think a lot of it, but you have to, I think there's the traditional way isn't necessarily always like, Oh, it has to be this way. I think there is something to be said for trying some of these different approaches. And usually there's a reason for it, like, you know, or if, if something's not working or maybe there's something you want to improve upon, then there's nothing wrong with kind of shifting these things around in my opinion. I agree. And I think that people kind of get scared away of doing the speed workout with the thought that they're going to peak too soon. And I, the way I consider, you know, how to peak is to manage, managing your fatigue and your volume. And that's very much what we do as coaches is figuring out where that line crosses and we can like yeah. visually see it in some of the tools that we use. So like if your volume is high across the board, like your fatigue is going to be high and therefore the speed work that you're doing You'll, your fatigue will never be low enough to perform at your best. It's hard yeah. to hold on to that peak performance without your fitness dropping with as the fatigue drops as well. And, and in the race you're training for is going to dictate this rate. Like the example I gave you, having the volume closer to the race was a marathon training a marathon. approach. Like right. you wouldn't do that for like, if you're training for the mile, <laughs> you no. know, like, so like there's, there's obviously a lot of factors in here that are going to play into this. It's the specificity, right? So yeah. that a lot of times in the base, 
phase, um, even though you might think like, okay, longer, slower distance, longer tempo runs. Um, but if your race is a marathon, those longer tempo runs, that's race specific. So like take this base phase and, and use it for fitness that you might not get later. And I think that's a really good way to kind of uh, approach that to give yourself a, a good chance of being a well-rounded athlete as it comes time and going through, because you don't want to just do tempo runs for 16 weeks. Um, that one, that would suck. And, um, you would just miss out a whole piece of like your speed and your fitness and, and uh, all these different things. So, um, so I think it is a good, a good plan to, to do speed work, at least like a session with some sort of one session a week. And then also having strides errs once or twice a week, two or three times a week. Right. Um, just as a way to help help your general fitness as long as it, you don't Definitely. sacrifice your volume keep your volume high and do the speed work and there won't be any reason why you, you'll peak too early and don't do them so hard that you're like you're in especially at the end of a run you have you have a little bit of lactic acid and you're a little bit tighter you know don't blast those so hard that you're gonna if it's gonna screw up the rest of your week yeah yeah, right. yeah right like and that's what ends up happening later which we'll talk about like when you want to run fast like you you need to be rested for those workouts but in the volume in the base phase like you should kind of be tired yeah you should kind of kind of be tired and this is also something um for the ocr athlete that i would also recommend is having like the straight up base phase and having speed introduced into that because for those races in particular the race specific workouts they're not going to be really about speed because the, the, the races themselves aren't really that fast unless you're doing some of the new ones or like the stadium ones or the ones that are on concrete. So really work in the, that speed work during the base phase for sure. Um, and the next phase that we're talking about is like the pre-competition phase. So that would be kind of be like out of the, the base phase. Um, and do you, do you like recommend any like specific, like we talked about like the traditional model, which would be like, okay, four weeks of this and then four weeks of this and then four weeks of this, like, how long do you think like a pre-competition phase should be versus a base phase? I mean, it really depends on what they, how much they had, how fit they are going into it, into the first phase, I guess, you know? So like if I feel like they're going to benefit more from like more aerobic work, you know, like I'll extend certain phases. And then if I feel like they're going to benefit from more, anaerobic work i might extend that phase so it really just depends on um two things one how how fit they were where they're at when they started and where their strengths are so like if they're if they seem to be like popping off really great 5ks and they're training for a marathon but they just can't seem to get past 16 miles mm-hmm. then obviously we're looking more at an aerobic situation so we're going to really start try to focus on some of that um some of the things that are going to improve on the aerobic side of things, which is, could just be something as simple as a little more easy running. Um, you know, and then, you know, if someone, if I see someone that can run for, for days without stopping, but you know, you tell them to, to run an easy mile and then you tell them to race a mile and there's only like five seconds difference, then obviously we're going to work, uh, work out some more of that anaerobic type stuff. So I really think it just, it, it, it's going to depend on that. And, and I, and then to the people who are like starting to look at this, um, and starting adding this in, you know, they might just be like, I'm never, I'm not doing anything. So like, if that, that's a whole different situation than like, maybe if you've been doing this for a while, but like, if you're somebody, if you, most people know what their strengths is like, Hey, I feel like I'm 
my 5k PR is not in line with my half marathon PR. Sometimes that's a, just a really a nice, easy way to say, Hey, look, I probably could work on some, some foot speed. Somewhere or, even, or even like, if you're not even sure, like what, how the times compare, like, what do you like better? Like if you would rather run a 5k than a marathon, yeah, like a good, good you're point. probably, you're probably better at speed work and, and vice versa. Like marathon runners hate 5ks. So like, that's kind of like a way to, it's the reason why they should be doing more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I agree. It's a, a way to kind of figure out what's going to move the needle the most. And again, kind of being more well-rounded before you get into that race specific area. So basically you're saying like, see where your weaknesses are and kind of dive into those more or less. Yeah. Do you, do, I mean, do you have something that you like an approach or anything like as far as that, that would be different than that? Not necessarily. I think there is always a piece for like threshold training at some kind of pace, like using threshold as like a big catch all, but like having it span from something like even like 10 K pace to like 10 mile pace to even like maybe half marathon pace and having like those type of workouts in and depending on what the ultimate goal is having that kind of be like your, um, endurance support. So, uh, the idea of an endurance support would be whatever the races that you have coming up, your endurance sport would be like slightly slower than that. So if you're preparing for a 5k, then like these threshold workouts, which would be between um, what we say, like five and 20 minutes, I think is what they would like anywhere from that. Yeah. Span, right. So like if you're racing a 5k, you'd want that endurance support to be like your 10k pace and they would be shorter. They'd be like three by eight minutes at 10k pace. Um, this way you're not boiled all the way down into the speed work and you're able to kind of help up that endurance and, and vice versa. So if you're doing 10 K you're, you're be like your 10 mile would be your speed support. Um, and you're able to do more of them too. Cause if you're going 10 seconds faster than 5k, you're only going to be able to do so many, so many minutes of that right. within a workout. So like, I feel like I never really saw the meaning that like, and even Jack Daniels doesn't really get into 10 K pace. Um, which is strange to me because it just it's kind of in that no man's land. But at the same time, you can do more of the 10K efforts um, and maybe not as much as the tempo. So, like, there is that. I often wonder about if we're not giving that as much credit as we should be as far as, like, the 10K pace is concerned. But Yeah, and it really just depends on the goal. And, like, there's yeah. very few people who are doing races that are shorter than 10K, like, honestly. Yeah. Like, people might prepare for a 5K as they're going through their marathon. But if you are preparing for a 5K or if you're um, an, an OCR athlete doing something like a stadium race, like then you might want to be in that 10K pace. But typically your threshold for the most – most people are going to be like in that 15K, 10-mile, like half marathon kind of pace. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good place to be when it comes to that pre-competition phase so that you're not like in your um, – race pace and you're able to kind of do a little bit more more volume still um and then what do you think about like blending workouts so so something i kind of like to do is doing something like an endurance doing something that would be like if someone's preparing for like broad street coming up 10 miles um i would have like do like two by 12 minutes at like half marathon pace four minute rest and then doing like three by 300 at like 10k base so like kind of being around both ends of it have you ever experienced yeah. anything like that yeah i think that the 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 not even just like the physical side of it but the mental side of it 
Mm. can be can be good there too is to like the drop down and then maybe come back up or or, or mixing threshold with with uh with that um interval like interval pace um and an even interval with repetition pace um you know using the, the the jack daniels terms but you know i think that there is something to be said for i actually really really like the like the re- the interval pace with some repetition on the end so like mm-hmm. doing some of that like harder faster stuff even from like half marathon down because i think you can really you know when your legs are slightly tired let's say like four times 800 at 10 seconds per mile faster than your 5k pace and then doing some of that like um I guess repetition is probably more like mile to like two mile pace. Um, like, you know, on the end with like a lot more recovery, but just like getting, getting that really, really, really hard turnover, which I think is completely, completely underutilized is getting the legs moving over. Because I think on one hand, if you're training for a half marathon, you're like, I'm never getting close to this pace, you know, but I think we, we really, really underestimate the power of building this, this, um, uh, you know, some of this economy um, and some of that strength into, into like each stride by, by doing these really hard, like slightly harder intervals. I don't think you need to do a lot of them if you're training for a half marathon, but I think you, there's a lot of value there. And if you think of it just from a practical standpoint, just from what would make sense if you just spoke it to someone who's just beginning, like if you run something like 200s or 300s, like fast at mile pace, like it would change your relative effort versus your half marathon pace. Like we say things like economy and, and everything like that. And really what that means is just making it feel easier. Yeah. And that's what it would do, right? Like it would just be like, Oh, okay. Like that's the benefit of running faster. It's just going to make your regular runs feel. Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we were able to, there's two, two ways you really from, from the beginning or standpoint is the way I would explain it to somebody is there's two, two ways to look at running one. There's, and if we were able to hone in on exactly what, an effort was. So let's say if like from one to 10 being your hardest effort, one being your easiest, let's say if we were able to in every case hone in on what a five effort would be. So we could use that as a baseline from like day one versus day 30. And what we want to do is we want to look at, okay, out of five, we, we, we want two things. One, we want to be able to hold five for a really long time, as long as possible and increase the amount of time we can hold that number five. And we also want to take how fast we're running at that effort. Hmm. So, you know, on day one versus day 30, on day 30, I want you to truly be running um, at a five effort faster on day 30. And the the only, like, all these, none of these things are mutually exclusive. So even easy running is going to get you running faster, right? Right. Um, But there's certain things that you could do that will, will improve that. And I think running, like, I've seen the best results with running these slightly harder, even if like, again, it's just the striders are doing some mixing in some 400s or 200s, even just, you know, again, depending on the event you're training for to get that faster pace at that five. And then we're going to do all these other things that are going to get you to be able to hold that five for even longer without, you know, you know, dropping down in, in, uh, and losing some of your pace. So, and all these things you're going to do, um, and the best way to do that is going to be have variety in your running is, and that's, that's plain. That's the, the simplest sense is just variety of paces. So like some days, like maybe do just like, you know, f- even if you just wanted to go out and run these on the roads five times a minute hard, like yeah. doesn't, don't, don't overthink it. Just go hard. Right. Um, and then, you know, 
maybe then you, the next day, maybe the second workout of the week is two times five minutes with a minute rest at comfortably hard, you know, something that you could hold for, for a while, but you're not going easy. And then the rest of your miles are easy. And if you just start there, you're going to see, um, you're going to see, t- and, and, and especially someone who's never done it before you do that for good four to six weeks, you're going to see a tremendous, um, tremendous results. Uh, bigger than you than you probably imagine. I'm not saying you're going to break any world records or you're going to maximize your your um your potential, but like you're going to see some some pretty decent um improvements just based off of that alone. It's like having tools in your toolbox, right? Like being able to work on all these different things. It's like working on different skills in like say a ball sport. It's like if you just shoot foul shots, you'll be good at just shooting foul shots. But if you do one like dribble drills one day, if you do like passing drills one day, you'll become a more well-rounded basketball player having these different varieties is just going to make you a better runner yeah. all, all the way across and this Absolutely. is really important for the pre-competition phase because that is where you're really going to be able to afford to have the time to do different things than just that race specific thing so in the pre-competition phase i would definitely kind of dance around that race specific uh kind of pace doing things that are faster and doing things that are just slightly slower in those um on those days and um and when it comes to ocr for that for that matter this is kind of where i would start to put in the the different training some like longer hill type of work um because that's a lot of what it's going to be or like faster stair work or the same kind of things things that you're not going to be doing exactly on race day but things that might be a little bit slower and longer and things are going to be a little bit faster on, on both ends but a little bit more specific as far as terrain yeah and, and there is the mental side of it and we will tip of the cap to our buddy tim here a little bit early Mm-hmm. But like, I think, you know, the idea that like, you know, when, when, when a marathon um, runner is racing, I, I think there is value in, in giving chunks of time at the goal pace more so for the, for the, um, the, the mental side of it, just to be comfortable with that, the idea that you, you know how that feels. And um, it's not, not that you like, not necessarily that you don't think you can run at that pace, but like the idea that you've done some miles at that pace and you know what it feels like. So on race day, when you get out there, you have a little bit more familiarity. For sure. And I don't want to butcher this, but I believe what, t- what Tim calls it is like viewing all things through trust. Um, and I think there's yeah. more expansive than this, but like if you can't trust yourself to do that type of work, um, then it's gonna be hard to do it, execute that on race day. And Tim was on the podcast episode something. I don't know. I don't know what any of these numbers are. So Tim Silvestri, look him up a couple episodes ago. <laughs> Super good. Um, that, that's what I got for yeah, you. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, cool. And then, and then that kind of segues really well into the competition phase. So this is really where you want to hone in and, and, and sharpen and make sure that you do know what it's going to feel like a little bit. And you're going to be able to kind of be the most specific that you're going to be coming into race day. So, um, yep. how do you kind of approach in that like competition phase? And when, when would you, would you say like, what's long enough for race specific workouts, like four weeks, six weeks, or what, what do you think? You mean, you mean from, from the event, from the event? Yeah. Like, when should people start to like really focus on, okay, this is what it's going to be. This is what it got has to feel like. I like usually like that, um, like that four week range, like that last really long, long run. If I feel like they're ready, I'll throw some of in that really light last longish longer run. Let's say it's 20 miles. Um, I'll throw in like late in the run, some of that, that marathon pace stuff. Um, this does two things. One, it, it, I think it takes the whole mental thing and now they're level. 
step late, um, step up from just doing like, let's say, uh, five miles at marathon pace without the, um, versus like doing 15 miles easy and then doing it really, really late in the run, I think gives you kind of like, Oh, I, I did, you know, five miles at race pace, um, after, after already doing 15 30. miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt pretty good. So like, I think this, this even more, like uh, strengthens that kind of trust part of it. Um, even more so. For sure. So you said about like four, would you say four weeks out? Yeah. I mean, and, and then I'll sprinkle it in up until the race, you know, so like a nice chunk of five miles there. And then maybe like one or two other sessions where it makes sense. Um, and the good thing about the marathon pace is it works well into, I feel like a taper where like if, if in it typically on a, on a work on a day where I would do have them do threshold work, it's an, it's a nice way to kind of get a little bit more uh, like some quality in that's not, that's harder than easy, mm-hmm. but then work it into the taper. So, you know, for instance, if Thursdays regularly, we're doing some, some threshold then two weeks out, maybe on that Thursday, I'll do marathon pace as opposed to threshold pace. And it kind of just brings back their starts to work that taper into it, but also keeps them doing something a little bit more than more than, um, a little harder than easy, but not quite as hard as let's say a, a threshold workout. I love that. And that's a really good place to be because uh, marathon pace is not a threshold workout. And if you're just doing marathon pace over and over for, for specifically these longer races, like it's not going to be like your fitness isn't going to evolve that much. So still working at that faster range, like half marathon to 10 mile pace or whatever that looks like is a really good way to kind of keep that. Uh, like that would be like your speed support at that point. Cause that's a little bit faster um, and it gives you a little bit more turnover and definitely will help improve that performance as a sure. Um, and then like for something and that, that goes the same for, so I would also recommend people doing this for like, if you're preparing for like a Spartan beast where it is like longer races, that those are essentially marathon duration, you know, like the top guys do it in like two hours, exactly more or yeah. less. Um, so that ends up being kind of like the marathon pace. So like, if you're doing that, I would recommend doing something like longer, tempo work at the end of a longer run do it on trails do it on hills um but just making sure it's that longer um sustainable sustainable piece um how about if you're preparing for a 5k what does that look like for you like what kind of go-to workouts um if you were to write somebody like if they were preparing for even a track 5k like like that's the goal race um we got some people who do prepare for cross country you know like what kind of things would you kind of sharpen them up with you mean as we get closer to the race? Yeah, like in that last like four to five weeks. Yeah, I think that's really where like you start to get into. Um, the, I guess it depends on the level. Like if it's somebody who's competing at a high level, at that point, I almost want them racing towards the mile, like closer to the race, um, training towards the mile. Mm. Um, you know, like just you're doing some of that more faster stuff. You're not ever getting away from some of the intervals um, that are going to be, you know, just slightly faster than, than 5k, um, you know, for like three minute pops. Right. Like but hundreds I, and thousands. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, at the end of the day, like it's, it's really just, it's super, it's simple. Like once you really learn it, I think that where the value comes in is, is really just kind of massaging it. Um, and looking at the athlete and making sure they're doing based off of their history and, uh, their race performances up to that point, um, that you're doing, uh, everything you can to maximize what that athlete is doing. 
um, for, for the fight, for the, for the, um, for the track and, and for someone who's been, let's say, just trying to break 15 minutes, you know, it's going to be very different than somebody who's maybe trying that, you know, to break 17 or 18 or 19 or 20. Like, so I, and I'm not trying to intimidate anybody. I'm just saying like, there's going to be like a, a little bit of a, of a different approach where for the person who's maybe running, who's less experienced, I'm probably going to be, you know, more t- like almost all towards that, like f- 10 seconds, five, faster than 5k mm-hmm. pace. Um, and maybe just some like harder striders towards that kind of like mile race pace kind of a thing. Um, you know, and as they become more and more experienced, I think that like, and, and their aerobic base is, 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 is higher, um, or better, or with the lack of a better word that we're going to start to work in some more of that economy type stuff. Their age is going to be a big part of it too. Like, I think sometimes if you have somebody who's like, let's say 50 years old, I don't think like the 200s become as big of a factor. Um, so I just think that your fast twitch muscles are just like, they're just not as, um, um, there's just not as many of them when you're 50 or 20, you know? And so there's some factors there too. And totally. Yeah. Just let me jump in and we're kind of where, what, how I'm interpreting this is like most distance events, the limiter is your endurance and it's not speed. If you get to a high enough level in a 5k, like you're going to need to get faster, but it doesn't really happen unless you are like fighting with like, what, what do we think? Like 1430, like 1415 before, like you really need to be like fast, fast. Yeah. And and that's like, ends up being a limiter. So most of us were not really at that level where we're going to need to be like improving our mile is going to help improve our 5k. Mostly like, like, no, I'm getting a little bit faster. Like that 5k pace will be, and like working in that like interval endurance area is probably gonna move the needle. The most. Yeah. I think it's more a function of like how experienced they are than how fast they're going to be quite honest with you. Hmm. Like, you know, like if you're somebody who's been at it, trying to, trying to go harder and, you know, let's say you're a 20 year old kid who's like running night, you know, running 18 minutes and, you know, wants to get faster. I don't, I think that I, at that point, I think that they could really, really benefit from running some of those faster, intervals if you've been at it for a while and like you have the experience and you can take those those intervals um versus like somebody who maybe doesn't have the experience and is is probably going to be more in a danger zone than they with some of those faster intervals than they are going to be seeing the benefit um, okay i mean I, I again it, it really it really is going to be athlete to athlete um and I don't, maybe mile is like you know is <laughs> really pushing it because it's hard for a lot of people to even wrap their head around like don't even know how fast they can run a mile. Like how to pace. Um, what, like I just, pace mean, like. Yeah, I just yeah. mean, I just mean harder than like what the five K pace would be. Just really kind of like yeah. really uncomfortable kind of pushing themselves. Um, you know, and, and, and again, the mental side of it too is, is a big part of it is just being able to not necessarily the trust part of it, but like you do get better at enduring that pain. Hmm. So like for the 10 seconds faster than the 5k, really, really important for a 5k because a 5k it's a short race, but it's, it's a, it's a hard race because like you're really, really pushing that line and you get to that mile and a half and you really, really start to like, your mind just starts to play games because of the pain and you don't think you can endure it for the next 10 minutes, but you can. Um, and a big part of that I really think is, is we do get better to with specificity, um, with and running being no exception, um, of enduring pain, specific to running we get better at it we just deal with it better as we 
as we implement more of it. And that's kind of what I would consider being quote unquote sharp. I mean, there's definitely a physical advantage to being sharp, but there's like a mental sharpness that comes to a race at that short. And like, you can almost run like, that's why people can run 5Ks and back-to-back weekends and have tremendous time drops. You know, they're just ready. Mm-hmm. They're just ready for something like that. And and in like a, a Spartan, like a stadium race is a good example where like you're going to get get bumped up against this like terrible feeling that you're not going to know what to do with the first time you do it. But then the next time you do it, you're going to be ready. Um, and same with like these new events, like the Deca Fit, which is essentially like an indoor track and like a, some CrossFit stuff. And CrossFit's a good example too. Like if you do one workout, you might be able to do it two days later and just be prepared for what it is and you'll be so much better. So I, I like what you're saying about like knowing what it's going to be like and really being able to kind of help push yourself through. Yeah. Um, and, and, and knowing that like, it's hard, you know, and, and going into the speed work, like you should embrace the fact that it feels hard and that it's hard for you because that's actually what is making you better. And I know that might sound like it's a, it's oversimplifying it, but if you're not mentally ready or not like willing to go in to that darkness, then just don't do it. Like, but you know, I think, just wait till you're ready because it is, it's hard. Like, and then that, that's, what's going to make you better. Um, and I know that like, there's so many sayings that out there that kind of <laughs> are there to kind of represent what I'm talking about. Like no pain, no gain. Pain cave. <laughs> pain cave. Uh, 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 one buddy says, going to the pain cave, no candle. Just like <laughs> going right in, not even worrying about it. But yeah, that's really what, that's what the pain cave is. It's, it's like, yeah. that's what people are talking about. That's like where you're just like, Oh my God, I don't think I could go any faster than this um and then telling yourself to shut up and to go faster um so we've talked a lot about like specific paces and, and things like uh you know what to do throughout these phases but i feel like the pacing itself is also a big question that is like kind of hard to dance around and like hard to explain so when we are setting up these paces for something, you know, like we've talked about tempo runs, we've talked about fast 5k, you know, threshold, where do you get those from? <laughs> like, do you just go from like, okay, I want to run 20 minutes in a 5k. So I'm just going to run 20 minute 5k pace or, or do you test and then kind of figure it out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's all kinds of, literature and there's all kinds of different approaches and and no matter what i say here there's gonna be somebody who disagrees with it and that that's fine i just i think you just have to start somewhere right and, I, and everyone's gonna have their a lot of coaches might have their it starts somewhere i actually you know i love the idea of like there's enough science and there's enough people who have done studies and there's enough out there where you can i feel like i i've i've been around enough where i feel pretty comfortable with you know the idea that there are certain paces that um, that are connected with your ability and there are certain charts. And, and again, I, th- I know that like, like Jack Daniels is probably the first place I would start. Um, Cause I just, I just think that whether you, whether you end up there, you know, a couple of years down the road, you may adjust. It's a good, it's a great way to start. Like just, and it's real easy to, to implement. Um, and you, you can look at your, like a, any race that you've done recently, um, like let's let's say it's a 5k or a half marathon and you can come up with what paces uh what paces would be good from easy all the way up to to a marathon pace threshold um interval pace and it's a great it's a great place to start well i can't couldn't agree with you more like i think there is 
some sort of value in having a pacing, being familiar with the pace and like knowing what that's going to feel like. But for example, like if you are a four hour marathoner and you want to run 345, so you do all of your like pacing around what a 345 marathoner would run, the benefits are going to be so different. Like you're not, you're, you're going to be in over your head. You're going to go a little too hard. You're not going to be able to run as long and as needed and your recovery is going to be shitty. So and you're not going to get those benefits. So, and I feel like that's something that happens particularly in the marathon because the pacing isn't, the pace isn't fast. So you can wrap your head around what 345 pace is. And so you just try to bang at that when really you need to become a 355 marathoner and then a 350 marathoner. So I think testing and then retesting and using these type of um, calculators or tables is definitely the way to go. Um and, and like we use one, like uh, the one I use is the VDOT run smart app for sure. That will give you all the good stuff. And you can just kind of Google that, right? Like pace calculator, I'm pretty sure. And anything will pop up. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a, a good place. The, 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 the website's real. There's actually a phone app that I use a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you just download it and you put in a, your most recent time and it'll give you the, these, it'll give you equivalent races, races, and it'll give you your paces, um, and uh, and you can use those 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 um, paces it gives you to kind of start with. Like, let's say you're starting and never done speed work, just use those and and slowly implement those different, like that variety that I was talking about. Um, and the beauty of that system is it trains you where you are at, and it kind of goes back to your to uh, the question you asked me earlier is like, what are some of the mistakes that people make? And, and to, just to kind of piggyback off of your last point was like to not train where you want to be, but train where you're at to get mm-hmm. better. And, and that's the way it's designed the actual paces. So, you know, some people are confused. It's like, Oh, I'm try- I, I want to run. I want to run 18 minutes, but you know, we're, we're here. I'm like, well, this is where you are now. Like we, I can't, you know, it, it's, a, it's sometimes a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around but like to your point is like if you're at if if you're an eighteen thirty marathon five um, k runner right now, I can't train I can't have you run the paces at eighteen minutes. You we're going to train you at where the calculator says you are at eighteen thirty, and that will get you down to eighteen fifteen, so on and so forth. And then you adjust at eighteen fifteen to those new paces, so on and so forth. Yeah, because they work, and like the, if you're doing the work consistently, like you'll get faster. And that's why it's hard to swallow sometimes where it's like oh well. I want to run 17 flat and I'm training at 18 pace. Like how am I going to run 17 flat? So it just comes a matter of like being patient. And honestly, it kind of goes back to one of our previous podcasts that we talked about and really kind of like goal setting and what it means to race well and like what these times mean to you and, and, and kind of removing the time from it. And that will just make everything better in your life and being able to do what you can with what you have in that moment, as opposed to needing to push toward a time and, um, it's unfortunate things like like Boston Marathon qualifiers, like that time that just dangles out there, just makes people get fixated on it, and then they can't think they can't consider doing anything different than just pushing toward that goal. Yeah, if if the qualifying time is three ten and they run three twenty, they they need to they need to be at peace with the fact they may need to be able to run three fifteen before they run the three ten. You know, it just it. They could run the three ten, but they need to. They just need to be at peace with where they're at and the idea that it could take some time to get there. And if they're, if they're a three fifteen runner and they try to run three ten, they're going to run three twenty five, and they're going to feel like they didn't. Yeah. Do, they're going to feel like the training didn't work, which it, it it did work, but they fucked up the race. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, that's what ends up happening. Um, 
so yeah, so I would definitely test and retest and really make sure that like you are progressing. And if you're not progressing, then you need to look back at your logs and see what's going on. And, and it's probably going to be due to lack of consistency, I would say, um, rather than lack of the training working. What do you think? So just, so just, just to re like, just, just so it's clear, I want to make sure the people who are listening to this never did speed work before or dabbled in it, go out before you do anything, go out and race a 5k, find mm-hmm. a local 5k on the weekend run it, leave everything out there, you know, run it as hard as you can. And it is what it is, right? Like if you're disappointed with it, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just the baseline. We're going to plug that into the calculator. We're going to get these paces. We're going to do some workouts at that pace. And then five, six weeks down the line, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to hop into 5k. We're going to see where we're at. If we did everything the way that we should have, and we did all the work, there's almost no chance that you're not going to get faster. All things being equal, the same temperature the same course the same terrain you know all those things um you know and then you take that time that you improved upon you put it into the race calculator you you have these new paces you pay you you train at that and the the idea is it's not always going to be super linear as you can imagine as you get faster you might flatten out for a while don't get discouraged just keep just keep just keep plugging away at it and it's a great way to, to, to really kind of start out here when you're on your own. Of course, we're here if you ever wanted some more guidance and some, a little bit more diving in and analysis and, and just understanding as to how to build these workouts. But um, it's certainly a good place to start. Yeah. And that's the real value in coaching is having someone just to, to um, as far as coaching, the, the real value as far as someone giving you a, a program is that it takes all the guesswork out. <laughs> someone just like, this is going to work. Just trust in this process. And then when, cause when you kind of do it on your own and even in my own training, like I, I struggle with this sometimes, like, it's like, is this where, like, is this an appropriate workout? Like, is this something that it, like fits for me? But when someone else is like telling you, like one, you, you can't not do it. And you also feel like a little bit more confident in, in it. It's like, okay, like this is meant for me. So I should be able to do this. So it takes that kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, like, is it is six by 800s too much? You know, is this pace too yeah. fast? Is this too slow? Um, when at the very least, you have somebody to kind of like explain it to you or understanding, help you understand why you're doing that. It gives you value. Um, it, it makes it a little bit easier to, to, to go through the pain if you know why you're going through that pain. Right. How it should feel, why it feels that way, why it's important. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of resources out there, including, you know, podcasts and such like that john what is your favorite workout for you personally what is your what's like your like like if you were going to do any workout like what is it <clears throat> like your favorite uh, I, you know anything from three to five minutes with uh equal time rest um 10 seconds faster than 5k that's it would that be they, you would consider it like interval pace like the daniels thing yeah nice i just think it's and the funny the thing, and I'm not just saying this, if I was to go out and run the track the way that, like if using my experience in the years that I've been running, like I feel like I've been able to hone in on like what the effort should be for those distances, if that makes sense. It's almost exactly what the prescribed pace is. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I like it is like, you know, if I didn't even look at the chart and you gave me four times 800 with a 400 meter recovery, it would almost be spot on to what Jack Daniels puts in there. Just because I feel like it's just hard. It's not, it's like, cause it's because it's 800, it, it should be faster than the 5k pace. 
you know, slightly mm-hmm. just because it's, um, but I feel like that the pace is, and once you really get into it, you'll start to be like, oh, okay. You know, and then when you do, let's say you do uh, two times 10 minutes with two minutes rest, um, you know, you mu- and you go out there and you're like, you're going to be, you're going to find like, all right, like this makes sense for this time, you know? So we'll, before you even get into the physiology of it, I, I think that that, that would probably be it just makes sense sometimes when you go out there and run it. So I almost want to say to somebody like, Hey, before we even look at this chart, um, and you, let's say I, I go out and run four times 800 and then maybe come back and see what it, what it, um, maybe four times 800 is not, not, it depends on the person too. Cause I have some people who go out and they'll just blast those 800s. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm saying like, I, when I run them, I feel like it's, it's just like just enough, you know, like I get down that 200 and I'm pushing it just enough, but I know that I'm not like crushing myself. That's why I kind of like it. It's, that's like a, a, a great way to put it. Cause it kind of regulates itself. Like you regulate yourself on that. Cause you're like, if I go any faster, I will die but like yeah. no like so there's not much nuance for the pace like you just get you bump up right against what like you're capable of doing and then you just like finish it through um that's interesting that's kind of like that's those workouts are just hard. Have one? uh i've been like really kind of like, the ocr stuff just like pure running um yeah and like I, i've been really doing like like i used to hate threshold workouts like coming from high school I only did like fast 400s and 200s and ran like three miles a day, you know? And then coming to St. Joe's, like it's only threshold, at least for cross. It was just like threshold, threshold, threshold. And I just got my ass kicked all the time. So do you feel like you're really doing threshold? Like what threshold? then? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel like maybe you're, were you, were you really doing a threshold pace or do you think it was more like closer to 10 K kind of? Um, I don't know. I, don't, I actually don't remember what the pace what the pace was. I, I mean, it could it didn't really matter for me at that point. Like just like a three mile warm up, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Um, down so to like, the river, yeah, down to the river. Like this is. I was like, we're haven't we haven't started yet. Um, so the thresholds were hard for a long time, but now I really like them. I really like being in that zone of uh, feeling faster and and but also feeling like I could go faster and that I am faster, but also being at a pace that it feels like you're almost like unstoppable. You know, and yeah. kind of being there and like kind of feeling really honed in um, to what that pace feels like is um, something I really like. Yeah, uh, I haven't dipped into those intervals, those fast intervals in a while. I'm going to. I'm going to do the uh, adrenaline. Um, and I'm looking. To, I'm looking. To, That's a good race. I'm gonna, that was my last race. I ran under 17 minutes. Nice, really. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking. To, I'm looking to sharpen into that Maybe. actually. Because it's I have fast. A, it's yeah, a fast I know. Course. Like they win, like the winners are always are like 14, 40, 14, 30. The last time I watched the, the guy, so there's a, I think there's a $500 bonus or is it a thousand dollar bonus to somebody who, who, to anybody who breaks 14 minutes. Oh, I don't know. There was the, the year that I watched it and Adrian Blinko ran like 1303 or 14. Oh my God. 14. Uh, 1403. Yeah. Cause people are always under 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holy crap! He was like, like, and he just missed it. I was like, oh, my. oh yeah, that God. dude was that dude was, was nasty. right. He was like, he was like Olympian level. Hoping there's nobody like that this year, and like go out and just like sit and hang. Um, but yeah, so I'll be sharp. You think you're in the uh, six, six under sixteen shape? Under sixteen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I would think so. Yeah, uh, I did. I did a two by three mile the other day, and. 
what, what was supposed to be like threshold with like, I think a minute 45 in between. And my first three mile was like, like 15, 20. So, and then I did like 15, 35 or something like that. That's not threshold pace, dude. Dude, I'm fit, bro. Lean. That's not threshold pace. Five ten a mile is threshold pace. That's what I was running. <laughs> you need a coach, man. You need me to coach you. Feeling good. <laughs> Feeling good. We'll show you. We'll see it. We'll see it. The adrenaline. Yeah. No. That's that's awesome. Um. All right. I got to roll. I got to get out of here. So yeah. Um, well, let's cool. let's come back, circle back on this, and everyone, you know, obviously go into our page, uh, the page there, and ask any questions. Do you have any follow up questions or anything? Um, and uh, you know, maybe we can piggyback on this. This is, this is a topic where we could probably talk for hours on, um, mm-hmm. and we'll circle back and have a part two. But for sure, um, cool, dude. All right, well, signing off. All right, good luck, buddy. Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you later. Later.